This is from The Ugly Duckling, a Project Gutenberg free read. It was beautiful in the country. It was summertime. The wheat was yellow, the oats were green, the hay was stacked up in the green meadows, and the stork paraded about on his long red legs, talking in Egyptian, with a language he had learned from his mother. The fields and meadows were skirted by the thick woods, and a deep lake lay in the midst of the woods. Yes, it was indeed beautiful in the country. The sunshine fell warmly on an old mansion, surrounded by deep canals, and from the walls down to the water's edge, there grew large burdock leaves, so high that children could stand upright among them without being seen. This place was as wild as the thickest part of the wood, and on that account, a duck had chosen to make her nest there. She was sitting on her eggs, but the pleasure she had felt at first was now almost gone, because she had been there so long, and had so few visitors, for the other ducks preferred swimming on the canals to sitting among the burdock leaves gossiping with her. At first, the eggs cracked, one after another. Chick, chick. All the eggs were alive, and one little head after another peered forth. Quack, quack, said the duck, and all got up as well as they could. They peeped about from under the green leaves, and as green is good for the eyes, their mother let them look as long as they pleased. How large the world is, said the little ones, for they found their new abode very different from their former narrow one in the eggshells. Do you imagine this to be the world of worlds, said the mother. It extends far beyond the other side of the garden in the pastor's field, but I have never been there. Are you all here? And then she got up. No, not all, for the largest egg is still here. How long will this last? I am so weary of it. And then she sat down again. Well, and how are you getting on? Asked an old duck, who had came to pay her a visit. This one egg keeps me so long, said the mother. It will not break, but you should see the others. They are the prettiest little ducklings I have seen in all my days. They are all like their father a good-for-nothing fellow. He has not been to visit me once. Let me see the egg that will not break, said the old duck. Depend upon it. It is a turkey egg. I was cheated in the same way once myself, and I had such trouble with the young ones, for they were afraid of the water, and I could not get them there. I called and scrolled, but it was all of no use. But let me see the egg. Oh, yes. To be sure, this is a turkey egg. Leave it, and teach the other little ones to swim. What is the matter? asked the old woman. I will sit on it a little longer, said the duck. I I have been sitting so long that I may as well spend the harvest here. It is no business of mine, said the old duck, and away she waddled. The great egg burst at last. Chick, chick, said the little one, and out it tumbled. But, oh, how large and ugly it was. The duck looked at it. That is a great, strong creature, she said. None of the others are at all like it. Can it be a young turkey cock? Well, we shall find out. It must go into the water, though I push it myself, said the mother duck. The next day, there was delightful weather, and the sun shone warmly upon the green leaves when Mother Duck, with all her family, went down the canal. She went into the water. Quack, quack, cried she, and one duckling after another jumped in. The water closed over their heads, but all came up again and swam together quite easily. Their legs moved without effort. All were there, even the ugly gray one. No, it is not a turkey, said the old duck. Only see how pretty it moves its legs, how upright it holds itself. It is my own child. 
it is also really very pretty. When you look more closely at it, quack quack. Now come with me. I will take you into the world and introduce you in the duckyards. But keep close to me or someone may tread on you and beware of the cat. So they came into the duckyard. There was a horrid noise. Two families were quarreling about the head of an eel, which in the end was carried off by the cat. See, my children, such is the way of the world, said the mother duck, wiping her beak, for she, too, was fond of eels. Now use your legs, said she. Keep together and bow to the old duck you see yonder. She is the most distinguished of all the fowls present and is of Spanish blood, which accounts for her dignified appearance and manners. And look, she has a red rag on her leg. That is considered extremely handsome, and it is the greatest honor a duck can have. Don't turn your feet upward. A well-educated duckling always keeps his legs far apart like his father and mother. Just so. Look. Now, bow your necks and say, quack. And they did as they were told. But the other ducks who were in the yard looked at them and said aloud, Just see, now we have another brood. As if there were not enough of us already. And fee, how ugly that one is. We will not endure this. And immediately, one of the ducks flew at him and bit him in the neck. Leave him alone, said the mother. He is doing no one any harm. Yes, but he is so large and so strange looking, and therefore he shall be teased, said the others. Those are fine children that our good mother has, said the old duck with the red rag on her leg. All are pretty except one, and that has not turned out well. I almost wish it could be hatched over again. That cannot be. Please, your highness, said the mother. Certainly he is not handsome, but he is a very kind child and swims as well as the other. Indeed, rather better. I think will grow like the others all in good time and perhaps will look smaller. He stayed so long in the eggshell. That is the cause of the difference. And she scratched the duckling's neck and stroked his whole body. Besides, added she, he is a drake. I think he will be very strong. So it does not matter so much. He will fly. He will fight his way through. The other ducks are very pretty, said the old duck. Pray, make yourselves at home. And if you find an eel's head, you can bring it to me. So they made themselves at home. But the poor little duckling, who had come last out of his eggshell, and who was so ugly, was bitten, pecked, and teased by both ducks and hens. It's so large, said they all. And the turkey cock, who had come into the world with spurs on, and therefore fancied he was an emperor, puffed himself up like a ship in full sail, and marched up to the duckling, quite red with passion. The poor little thing scarcely knew what to do. He was quite distressed, because he was so ugly, and because he was the jest of the poultry yard. So passed the first day. And afterwards, matters grew worse and worse. The poor duckling was scorned by all. Even his brothers and sisters behaved unkindly and were constantly saying, May the cat take you, you nasty creature. The mother said, Oh, if you were only far away. The ducks bite him, the hens pecked him, and the girl who fed the poultry kicked him. He ran through the hedge, and the little birds in the bushes were terrified. That's because I'm so ugly thought the duckling, shutting his eyes, but he ran on. At last he came to a wide mar where lived some wild ducks. Here he lay the whole night very tired and comfortless. In the morning the wild ducks flew up and saw their new companion. Pray, who are you? asked they. 
and our little duckling turned himself in all directions and greeted them as politely as possible. You are really uncommonly ugly, said the wild ducks. However, that does not matter to us, provided you do not marry into our families. Poor thing, he had never thought of marrying. He only begged permission to lie among the reeds and drink the water of the moor. There he lay for two whole days. On the third day, there came two wild geese, or rather, ganders, who had not been long out of their eggshells, which accounts for their impertinence. Ha, there, said they, you are so ugly that we like you very well. Will you come with us and be a bird of passage on another moor, not far from this? Awesome, dear, sweet wild geese, as lovely creatures as has ever said, hiss, hiss. You are truly in the way to make your fortune, ugly as you are. Bang! A gun went off, all at once, and both wild geese were stretched, dead among the reeds. The water became red with blood. Bang! A gun went off again. Whole flocks of wild geese flew up from among the reeds, and another report followed. There was a grand hunting party. The hunters lay in the ambush all around. Some were even sitting in the trees, whose huge branches stretched far over the moor. The blue smoke rose through the thick trees like a mist and was dispersed as it fell over the water. The hounds splashed about in the mud. The reeds and rushes bent in all directions. How frightened the poor little duck was. He turned his head, thinking to hide it under his wings, and in a moment, a most formidable-looking dog stood close to him, his tongue hanging out of his mouth, his eyes sparkling fearfully. He opened wide his jaws at the sight of our duckling, showing him his sharp white teeth, and splash, splash, he was gone, gone without hurting him. Well, let me be thankful, sighed he. I am so ugly that even the dog will not eat me. And now he lay still. Though the shooting continued among the reeds, shot following shot, the noise did not cease till late in the day, and even the poor little thing dared not stir. He waited several hours before he looked around him, and then hurried away from the moor as fast as he could. He ran over fields and meadows, though the wind was so high that he had some difficulty in moving. Towards evening he reached a wrenched little hut, so wrenched that it knew not on which side to fall and therefore remained standing. The wind blew violently, so that our poor little duckling was obliged to support himself on his tail in order to stand against it. Here in this hut lived a woman, a cat and a hen. The cat, whom his mistress called my little son, was a great favorite. He could raise his back and purr, and could even throw out sparks from his fur if it were stroked the wrong way. The hen had very short legs, so she was called Chicky Short Legs. She laid good eggs, and her mistress loved her as if she had been her own child. In the morning, the strange visitor was discovered. The cat began to purr, and the hen to cluck. What is that noise about? said the old woman, looking around the room. But her eyesight was not very good. Therefore, when she saw the duckling, she thought it must be a fat duck that had strayed from home. Oh, what a surprise! she exclaimed. I hope it's not a drake, for then I shall have some duck eggs. I must wait and see. So the duckling was allowed to remain on trial for three weeks, but there were no eggs. Now the cat was the master of the house, and the hen was the mistress, and they always said, we and the world, for they believed themselves to be half the world, and by far the better half too. The duckling thought that others might hold a different opinion on the subject, 
But when the hen would not listen to such doubts, Can you lay eggs? she asked. No. Then have the goodness to cease talking. Can you raise your back up her or throw her out sparks? said the cat. No. Then you have no right to express an opinion when sensible people are speaking. So the duckling sat in a corner, feeling very low-spirited. But when the sunshine and the fresh air came into the room through the door, he began to feel such a great longing for a swim that he could not help speaking of it. What an absurd idea, said the hen. You have nothing else to do. Therefore, you have foolish fancies. If you could purr or lay eggs, they would pass away. But it is so delightful to swim about underwater, said the duckling. And so refreshing to feel it close over your head while you dive down to the bottom. The laughter, indeed. It must be a queer sort of pleasure, said the hen. Why, you must be crazy, asked the cat. He is the cleverest animal I know. Ask him how he would like to swim about on the water or to dive under it. For I will not speak of my opinions. Ask our mistress, the old woman. There is no one in the world more clever than she is. Do you think she would release women in letting the water close over her head? Said the hen. I see you don't understand me, said the duckling. We don't understand you. Who can understand you? I wonder. Do you consider yourself more clever than the cat or the old woman? I will say nothing of myself. Don't imagine such nonsense, child. And thank your good fortune that you have been so well received here. Are you not in a warm room and in a society from which you may learn something? But you are a chatterer and your company is not very agreeable. Believe me, I speak only from my good. I may tell you unpleasant truths, but that is a proof of my friendship. I advise you, therefore, to lay eggs and learn to purr as quickly as possible. I believe I must go out into the world again, said the duckling. Yes, do, said the hen. So the duckling left the hut and soon found water on which it could swim and dive. But he was avoided by all other animals because of his ugly appearance. Autumn came, and the leaves in the forest turned to orange and gold. Then, as winter approached, the wind caught them as they fell and twirled them into the cold air. The clouds, heavy with hail and snowflakes, hung low in the sky, and the raven stood among the reeds, crying, Crook, crook! It made one shiver with cold to look at him. All this was very sad for the poor little duckling. One evening, just as the sun was setting amid the radiant clouds, there came a large flock of beautiful birds out of the bushes. The duckling had never seen anything like that before. They were swans, and they curved their graceful necks while their soft plumage shone with dazzling whiteness. They uttered a singular cry as they spread their glorious wings and flew away from the cold regions to warmer countries across the sea. They mounted higher and higher in the air, and the ugly little duckling had a strange sensation as he watched them. He whirled himself into the water like a wheel, stretched out his neck towards them, and uttered a cry so strange that it frightened even himself. Could he even forget those beautiful happy birds and when at last they were out of his sight he dived under the water and rose again almost beside himself with excitement he knew not the names of these birds nor where they had flown but he felt towards them as he had never felt towards any other bird in the world he was not envious of these beautiful creatures 
It never occurred to him to wish to be as lovely as they. Poor ugly creature. How gladly he would have lived even with the ducks, had they only treated him kindly and given him encouragement. The winter grew colder and colder. He was obliged to swim about on the water to keep it from freezing. But every night, the space on which he swam became smaller and smaller. At length, it froze so hard that the ice in the water cracked and crackled as he moved, and the duckling had to pedal with his legs as well as he could to keep the space from closing up. He became exhausted at last and laid still, helpless, frozen, fast in the ice. Early in the morning, a peasant who was passing by saw what had happened. He broke the ice in pieces with his wooden shoe and carried the duckling home to his wife. The warmth, the warmth revived the poor little creature. But when the children wanted to play with him, the duckling thought they would do him some harm. So he started up in terror, fluttered into the milk pan and splashed the milk about the room. Then the woman clapped her hands, which frightened him still more. He flew first into the butter cast, then into the meal tub, and out again. What a condition he was in. The woman screamed and struck at him with the tongs. The children laughed and screamed and tumbled over each other in their effort to catch him. But luckily, he escaped. The door stood open. The poor creature could just manage to slip out among the bushes and lie down quiet, exhausted in the newly fallen snow. It would be very sad were I to relate all the misery and privations which the poor little duckling endured during the hard winter. But when it had passed, the cold winter that he suffered through, he found himself lying one morning in a moor amongst the brushes. He felt the warm sun shining and heard the lark singing and saw that all around was beautiful spring. Then the young bird felt that his wings were strong as he flapped them against his side and rose high in the air. They bore him onwards until before he well knew it, it had happened. He found himself in a large garden. The apple trees were in full blossom and the fragrant elders bent their their long green branches down to the stream, which wound round and smoothed long. Everything looked beautiful in the freshness of early spring. From a thicket close by came three beautiful white swans, rustling their feathers and swimming lightly over the smooth water. The duckling saw these lovely birds and felt more strangely unhappy than ever. Now a lot older, the duckling said, I will fly to those royal birds, he exclaimed, and they will kill me because, ugly as I am, I dare to approach them. But it does not matter. Better to be killed by them than pecked by the ducks, beaten by the hens, pushed about by the maidens who feed the poultry, or starved with hunger in the winter. Then he flew to the water and swam towards the beautiful swans. The moment they spied the stranger, they rushed to meet him with outstretched wings. <laughs> Kill me, said the poor bird, and he bent his head down to the surface of the water and awaited death. But what did he see in the clear stream below? His own image. No longer a dark gray bird, ugly and disagreeable to look at, but a graceful and beautiful swan. To be born in a duck's nest in a farmyard is of no coincidence to a bird if it is hatched from a swan's egg. He now felt glad at having suffered sorrow and trouble because it enabled him to enjoy so much better all the pleasure and happiness around him. For the great swans swam around the new newcomer 
and stroked his neck with their beaks as a welcome. Into the garden presently came some little children and threw bread and cake into the water. See, cried the youngest, there is a new one. And the rest were delighted and ran to their father and mother, dancing and clapping their hands and shouting joyously, there is a new one, there's another swan come, and a new one has arrived. Then they threw more bread and cake into the water and said, The new one is the most beautiful of all. He is so young and pretty, and the old swans bowed their heads before him. Then he felt quite ashamed and hid his head under his wing. The conclusion of The Ugly Duckling will return after this short advertisement. Welcome back to the conclusion of The Ugly Duckling for he did not know what to do. He was so happy, yet he was not at all proud. He had been persecuted and despised for his ugliness, and now he heard them say he was the most beautiful of all the birds, and the other swans bowed before him. Even the elder tree bent down his boughs into the water before him, and the sun shone warm and bright. Then he rustled his feathers, curved his slender neck, and cried joyfully from the depths of his heart. I never dreamed of such happiness as this, while I was despised ugly duckling. The moral to this story is, never judge the outward appearance. Just think of all the beauty we miss when we do. The Ugly Duckling. I hope that you've enjoyed it. This is The Storyteller. Subscribe to keep up to date.